Amen. You have no rival. You have no equal. I tell you what, when I sing those words, it's hard to hold the emotions back. What a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I love those words. I love those words. Last month we did communion and we had the table here. And we had you all come to the center and come down and go back to your seats that way. And, uh, and I was thinking that was new for you. I was told after the service, no, we've done it that way before. And that's good. Uh, today we're going to do it just a little bit different. Uh, and I, I, this might be new or maybe you would say, no, we've done it that way before. But uh, just to explain to you, uh, I just kind of want you to know what we're doing here. Uh, this table is for these two sections, okay? <laughs> I just want to make this so clear. This table is for these two sections, okay? And so what you, and I was told this morning I had to do my, my best uh, airplane steward uh, imitation today. So this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing all of this, okay? And so this, these two sections, you're going to come to this aisle, come down, get your elements, and go back to your seats. Okay, got it. Form two lines, two lines, so you can do that, all right? Two lines, all right? Same thing over here, same thing over here, okay? Come to this aisle, come down, two lines, and go back to your seats, all right? Everybody everybody clear? Good? All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, I, uh, I love the time in which we get to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And uh, we, we kind of joke about how we're going to get the elements, but this is actually a solemn time. This is actually a solemn time because it is a time that we are remembering the Lord Jesus and what he did for us. And, uh, and I love, I love what, how Paul takes us through that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I love how he does that. And when he does that, he, uh, he, he uses this phrase, uh, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And that is a quote from Jesus himself. And I love the fact that, that Paul takes us through and, and gives us, and gives us that, that particular quote. He actually, it's a quote from the book of Luke. Um, none of the other Gospels in telling us about the Lord's Supper give us this exact instruction. But Luke does. And Paul, when writing to the Corinthians, uses Luke to tell us what we are to do and how we are to take the elements of communion. We are to take these elements in remembrance of Jesus. Now, when I think of that... Um, Obviously, the, the one thing that maybe would and should stand out in our minds, in our hearts, is that when, when Jesus was on the cross for us, uh, paying our price, dying in our place, 
shedding his blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins. But to me, it's more than that. When I, when I hear those words from Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. I kind of let my mind just kind of flash scenes of Jesus' life. The life of Christ. And in the life of Christ, there's so many scenes for us to think about, isn't there? You know, it, it, we can go clear back to him being born of a virgin. But as we go through his life, we think of him uh, embracing the leprous man. We think of him uh, using his, this is, this is crazy, but he used his spit to make mud and put it on the eyes of a blind man and heal him of his blindness. The, uh, the woman who touched the hem of his garment and he stopped and he healed her and he ministered to her. And so all of these scenes kind of going through my mind when I hear that phrase, do this in remembrance of me. But then also, and I think really important, a time like this, him being arrested, put on trial, mocked, spit upon, falsely accused, the Roman soldier with the, the whip, the crown of thorns, the nails in his hands and feet. And so when I hear that phrase, these are the things that go through my mind. And I think these are the things that should go through all of our minds. And when we're taking of communion, we're thinking of all that Jesus represents for us as believers. And we're embracing it, and we're thanking him for it, and we're worshiping him. Amen? Yeah, amen. Uh, I'm going to ask, I think, uh, Myron and Barbie, uh, I think Joe's helping out. Uh, if you'll come forward to help out with the communion elements, uh, I'm going to instruct uh, everyone to come forward at this time. Will you stand with me? We're going to receive the elements uh, as Charlie plays some music. We're going to receive the elements and just go back to your seats and wait there and wait with the elements, and then we'll partake of them together. And we're going to read through Paul and what Paul said and how he instructed the Corinthian church. He's going to instruct the Talmadge Church this morning and partaking of the communion. Amen? Amen.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same way, he took, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and as, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we have, we have done that this morning. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we have partaken of this communion together this morning, Lord, we are so grateful. Our, our hearts are full of gratefulness to you for what you have done for us. And Lord, we are remembering you this morning. We're remembering your life, how you loved, how you cared for people. Lord, the, the amazing things that you taught us and helped us to know and learn. The way, Lord, that your righteousness stood above everyone else. And also, God, as we have partaken of the bread and the cup representing your body and the blood, we are remembering your great sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be saved from our sin and redeemed. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for our redemption through your blood. Lord, we remember you today and our hearts are full of thanks. And we thank you and we praise you and we love you and we adore you. And in Jesus' name. Well, last week, um, <clears throat> Barbie and I were away. We went on our <clears throat> 30th anniversary trip. And uh, yeah, 30 years, and it's been such a wonderful 30 years. And uh, we just had just a great time. We did some fun things and relaxed, and it was just a really great trip. And we appreciate you letting us go on that. And, uh, really just really praying for us and wishing us well. We got a lot of well wishes from many of you uh, through Facebook and things like that. Um, 
I do want to say a big thank you to Susan. <clears throat> thank you, sister, for uh, bringing the message. It was terrific. We watched, uh, we watched our service uh, from our hotel room and uh, really enjoyed the service from last week. It was great. You, you brought a great message of truth. So thank you for that. Um, really want to, uh, to just kind of direct your attention. I hope you got a handout this morning, uh, just a little half sheet. And it says the background of James. And basically, I was going to like start with that today and talk through that. But I decided instead to just give that to you and say, uh, read it. I think it will help you, especially in the, this series that we're starting today. Because we're starting a series called Lessons in the Book of James. And so I think it will help you in that and kind of give you some background about where James is coming from. Uh, so if you, if you read it and you think, oh, this is good, I'm glad I have this, that's great. If you don't read it, it might make a good paper airplane or something like that for you later on, who knows. But uh, I hope you'll uh, use it and uh, it'll be something that'll help you as we go through this time of looking into the book of James. Um, we're going to dig right in. We're going to dig right in. So uh, the, the scripture text today is James chapter 1. And we're going to go 19 through 25, James 1, verses 19 through 25. And um, I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me as we read this together. I'll read aloud. You can read silently. Um, this is really good. I, book of James is like, uh, some people have said it's the Proverbs. It's the Proverbs of uh, the New Testament. And uh, there is a lot of wisdom in the book of James. And it's really good. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But, the do but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does." Amen. Thank you for standing with me. You may be seated. So we're going to dig right into that. And, uh, you know, just first off, right off the bat there, we see something that says that uh, everyone should be quick to listen. And uh, that might be an uh-oh for some of us uh, because maybe we're not so quick to listen. Uh, so you, you hear those words, quick to listen, and you're like, uh-oh. Uh, can we agree this morning, can we agree that our culture that we live in is not quick to listen? <laughs> I think that uh, if we're going to describe the way culture, the way culture is today, we would change from being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger to we hate to listen and we're anxious to argue, right? That seems to be really kind of the way things are nowadays. Um, and it's a shame because it's kind of taken, um, you know, good, solid uh, discourse where we can talk and share 
our opinions with each other and not get angry, it's kind of taken that out of the equation. And that's a shame because uh, when we're able to talk and share with one another and really listen to each other, uh, I think we learn more. I think we're, we're better off if we can do that. But it's not happening very well. Uh, you probably heard that it was said, uh, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? Right? Because we should be, like, listening more than talking. Amen? <laughs> didn't, didn't get too many amens with that one. Um, Notice that James uh, doesn't say in this first verse, James doesn't say introverts and the meek should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, James also isn't just talking to extroverts here either. Now, I don't know if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Some people say, oh, I'm, I'm extrovert. I'm out there. You know, I'm, really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one, you know, I... I'm ready to chime in, you know, and I'm ready to take control. If, if I'm in a room, I want to be the center of attention in that room, you know. Uh, some of you like that. That's okay. God made us all different, right? Some of us are on the other end of the spectrum. We're in the room of a, of a you know, crowded room of people, and we're like, we just kind of want to blend in with the wall, right? And just observe and watch people and listen to people and things like that. But here, James isn't talking to... Uh, one of those groups or the other one of those groups, he's talking to both of those groups and everybody in the middle because you might find yourself in the middle of those two groups, which maybe most of us find ourselves there. So he tells us that everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, and this should grab all of our attention because we tend to be consumed with what we're going to say rather than listening to what someone is saying to us. And basically what I mean by that is a lot of times when we find ourselves in a discussion with somebody, we are what? We are, instead of listening to what they're saying, we are what? We are thinking about what we're going to say while they're talking, right? It's, it's natural. We can all admit to that this morning. It's okay. We're, we're just here together. It's just us. We can all say, yeah, that's me. I, I do that. I do that. So if we get nothing out of uh, this scripture text that we just read, if we get nothing else out of it, we can at least get some really good uh, guidance and direction on how to communicate better with each other. Let's, uh, let's listen better. Let's not uh, be thinking about what we're going to say when someone's talking to us. Let's listen to them and just hear it all out, hear it through. Okay? Can we, can we do that? Yeah? Oh, come on. Can we do that? All right, that's better. That's better. So this is applicable. This first verse that we, that we read, this is applicable from person to person. We can apply this the way that we interact with each other. But I really believe that James is getting at something deeper here. I believe that he's getting at something that's, uh, that's even more important than that. And that is, I believe that he is talking about us listening to God. Because I think that we have a tendency to not listen to God very well. I tell you, right now, I am in the book of, in my, in my personal devotion, I am in the book of Judges. Anybody read Judges lately? 
Yeah, it's when, when I read my personal devotion and read through a chapter of the Bible, I'm, I'm always trying to get an application out of it. How do I apply this? Well, I've, I've learned how to like uh, kill a person in their sleep, you know, with a tent, <laughs> with a tent peg. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's not the application you want to get out of the Bible. That's, that's not it. But so when you're reading the Bible, you, you're like trying to, you're trying to not get your thoughts in the way and you're trying to listen to God. And what is God trying to tell me here? And that's really important for us to be able to do that. James is, he's talking about that. So when we read verse 21, we, I believe that we need to understand that, that he is telling us that as you read God's word, come to God's word with a humble heart, ready to receive it, with ears perked up, ready to listen. Okay? Sometimes we read God's word and we come to it with our defenses up. We come to it with, uh, with uh, our, our defenses and we're ready. It, it really kind of leads us to resist it. It leads us to make excuses for why it doesn't apply to us. We sometimes are trying to figure out a way around the things God's word says to us. We read a verse of Jesus telling us that if we want to follow him, we must take up our cross and follow him. And, and we, we look at that verse and we think about that verse and we want to take the sting out of that verse and not think that Jesus is really telling us that the way to follow him is through a life of surrender. We want to take the sting out of that. We don't, we don't want to believe that following Jesus is a life of surrender. And so we, we don't come at the verse ready to listen, ready to hear it. We read a verse that tells us to give to the poor, feed the hungry. And we're trying to figure out excuses to not do that because we really don't like the idea. And more on that in a little bit, okay? We're not quick to listen. We're, we're quick to build a defense. Well, James tells us in this first verse right off the bat, be quick to listen to God. Be ready to listen to God. In other words, come to God with those two ears and that one mouth. <laughs> okay? That's, that's I guess, a, a visual way to, uh, to look at it. So, so come to the word of God with a readiness to receive uh, what God is saying. Then in verse 21, he tells them, to get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And this phrase in verse 21 of ridding yourselves literally means to take it off. If you go in, into, the, uh, into the Greek and you look that up and you look up that phrase that, that the translators translated ridding yourself, it actually can, it can also mean uh, to take off your coat, like to take off a piece of clothing. And so you take off that piece of clothing and you set it over here and you walk away from it. Now it's not on you. Now it's not a part of your being. And so James is saying that you should rid yourself. Rid yourself of the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. I believe, I really truly believe that this indicates that we bring so many ideas of the world into listening to God's words that it becomes hard to receive what God is telling us. 
James is telling us to put aside ideas of the world so that we can receive God's ideas upon us. And that's really difficult for us to do. When I read passages in the Bible about the poor, I'm prone to think, how can I get around this? You say, well, why? Why, why, why would you be that way? Because I really believe that the, uh, I have kind of like the stains of the world on me. And I'm stained a little bit because of times in which I've been burned. Okay? I'll tell you a, a, a circumstance, an instance in which, in which I was burned. Uh, we were up late one night, and uh, there was a knock on the door. And it was really strange because it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And who knocks on your door at 1 o'clock in the morning? Well, when you live in a parsonage, it's, it can happen. <laughs> Trust me, it can happen. So 1 o'clock in the morning, and Barbie, looked at, Barbie and I looked at each other like, who in the world is at our door? A lot of people won't even open the door at 1 o'clock in the morning, but I kind of peeled the door open, and there was this lady standing there, and so I, I uh, invited her into the entryway of the house, and we started talking, and she, she, needed, she needed money. She came to the house because the house was beside the church. She figured it was the pastor's house. She was right. And so she needed money, and she, she, she gave us this story. The story involved... Um, her kid was in Columbus at a hospital. Uh, he had broken his leg. She couldn't get down there to him. Uh, she didn't have enough gas, and she needed some money for gas in her car. And so I talked to her, kind of ministered to her for a little while, uh, you know, kind of like found out some information about her. And, uh, and I kind of asked her where she lived, and she you know, was quick to give me her address and all of this stuff. And so uh, we gave her some money, prayed for her, sent her off. The next day, I was just curious, and I had this lady's address. I drove to the place. There was no address that she had given us a fake address, and I'm sure a fake story, you know. Um, that's just one time. There were many times. I mean, we were pastor at Barberton for 18 years. There were many times. Many times people came to church, and... Um, one time a lady came to church and she was just so angry that we wouldn't give her more donuts. I mean, she wanted all of our donuts. We had donuts for everybody and we were trying to get, and she wanted all the donuts. And she was angry and she was yelling at people and she was cussing and screaming and we had to ask her to leave. It was just, it was terrible. It was just a horrible situation. And it's just like times like that and things like that just kind of end up kind of putting a, a stain on you. They kind of like, they kind of make you, they rub you raw, you know? And so a lot of times when I'm, when I'm reading about that and I'm reading in scripture and I'm reading that we need to feed the poor and help the hurting and things like that, I got to be honest with you, my first instinct is, but we got to make sure they're really poor. Or it's a real case, you know, it's, it's a real story. You know, and I'm not quick to listen. I'm quick to figure out whether it's what I need to do or not. You know, it's just an example. 
So uh, when, I, when I think about that, I think about, you know, why are we prone to, uh, to, to think about things like that when we read it in the Word? You know, there are times we read in the Word about uh, purity or something that has the nature of living a pure life, a holy life. And, you know, a lot of times when people read that, uh, you know, they know they're living in sin. They know they're living wrong. They know they're living in a way that they shouldn't be living. It doesn't honor God. And so as they read something like that in Scripture, they think, ooh, no, I can't do that. Or, you know, just right off the bat, it's the defenses rise up, and they just won't hear it. They won't listen to it. It's not something that they'll hear because it's something that would go against what's going on in their life, what they've embraced in their life. And so these words of James telling us to rid ourselves of, the, um, of this, this moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, what has caused us to be less likely to read the word of God and take it for what it says? Sometimes there are things, right? And so uh, I become aware that, that, that this isn't something that I need to try to get out of. It is something that I need to figure out how to do, even though the evil of the world has stained and kind of warped my thinking. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you following me this morning? Okay. Some of you are. Good deal. When we come to God's word and the Holy Spirit uh, is speaking to us, we must come with a ready heart to receive what he's saying and become obedient to what God is saying. And it doesn't really matter if it, uh, if it doesn't line up with our life or it doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with, you know, how we've been kind of, uh, you know, hurt or, uh, or stained in, the back, in, the, in our background, in our history. There, there are times that we're, we're coming to God's word and we're reading something and it's just like, it's one of those times when we, we read it and it goes, ooh, ouch. Because, because the word of God is described in scripture as a sword, right? Sword of the spirit. And swords do what? They pierce, Right? They pierce us. And sometimes they pierce our heart and they make us think. And sometimes we read the word, it's ouchy. Right? Yeah. There's a couple scriptures uh, and, and, and prayer that I, that I want to go through with you guys. This, I, I think, would be something that would help, would be helpful in making sure our heart's ready and, and right to receive the word the right way. So the first one is um, Jeremiah 31, uh, 31 through 33. And um, I'm just going to look at, at these, uh, these three verses together. It says, uh, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand and led them out, to the land of e out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. 
the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like that's the kind of thing that we want, right? We want to have that. So, so the next uh, slide, maybe uh, it should be a prayer. Yes. And, and this is just a prayer I came up with. After I read that verse, just a prayer that I came up with. And I'd like for us to read through this together, if you will. If you read through that with me. Will you do that? Let's make this a prayer for, our, for ourselves. Amen. All right. Let's, let's do this. Lord, write on my heart. Erase what the world has written on my heart and write your thoughts and your ways on my heart. My heart is your canvas. You want your heart to be his canvas? I think that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Lord, my heart is your canvas. Write on it what you want. Amen. Another scripture is in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36 uh, starting in verse 24, reading through 27, says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. It's another great scripture for us. And this, another prayer for that scripture for us to say together. Lord, give me a new heart. Replace my heart of stone that has been hardened by the world's way of thinking and the world's way of doing. And give me a heart of flesh, a heart that wants what you want. A spirit, a spirit that is led by your spirit. Amen. Amen. Really, really good prayers for us to be praying, especially when we approach scripture. Not a bad prayer to pray when you get ready to do your scripture reading. You know, because you want your heart to be ready to receive what God's going to give you. Amen. Yeah, and so we're embracing what God is saying. When our heart is in this condition that God wants our heart to be in, we're ready to receive his words. We're ready to take his words and then be doers of those words. So verse 22 of uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 can be thought of as the theme verse for the book of James. And it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So it, you, have, you have not really listened to the word if you have not obeyed the word. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say that again. Uh, not because I don't think you got it, but just because I want to reemphasize it. All right. You have not really listened to the word if you have not obeyed the word. Right? So God's word induces action. I told Barbie this morning, I said, you know, since I started preaching at, 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 
at First Church since January when I was interim. Uh, basically, my sermons have been sermons about stories of people's lives, uh, instances where people were interacting with people. You know, it's Jesus interacting with Lazarus or, you know, Jonah and the whale and just, you know, things like that. Today's different. I don't know whether you've noticed this or not. Today's different. Today we're, we're not really talking about that. We're talking about Scripture and we're taking each verse and we're trying to figure out what does that mean for us and how to apply it to our lives. Now, that's, that is where we get down to the nuts and bolts of being a follower of Jesus, right? That's called discipleship. When we're reading the Word and we're trying to figure out exactly what it means for our life and how to live it out. Amen? So that's what the, now the sermons have kind of changed. Today's a little different. And I hope that you are enjoying it. <laughs> In an ouchy kind of way, I hope you're enjoying it. All right? So, so when you read God's word, God's word induces action. That word induces, we use that word for what? Induce. Right, to, to cause labor, right? And, and we induce to make something happen. God's word is trying to make something happen in our life. It's trying to, to cause something to happen that is painful, right? Because we're, when, when, I was almost said when we're induced for labor, not so much me, but <laughs> when a woman is induced for labor, it produces pain and action. And that action is painful, but it's good, isn't it? And so when God's word induces action, it is painful, but it's good. It's something that's like, ooh, this, this is ouchy, this hurts, this isn't easy, but if you follow through, it's good. And it's life-giving. Right? If there's no action from what you read, then there has been no acceptance. James uses this silly analogy, and it really is a silly analogy. And this, this analogy, he has, he has a man walking up to a mirror and looking at the mirror. And he looks at himself, maybe combs his hair, maybe shaves his face, looks in the mirror, walks away. And he says that he walks away and, and, and basically forgets what he has seen in the mirror. And he uses this analogy to help us understand that sometimes we read the word of God or we hear the spirit of God speaking to us. And what the word of God does and what the spirit of God does is he shows us ourself through his light, through his eyes. And as we see ourselves through the eyes of God, now we have a decision to make. Will we walk away unchanged? Or will we do some things, walk away, and then forget all about what we were able to see? It's almost kind of like he says that uh, this man, he went and he looked at himself in the mirror, he walked away. And then later on in the day, there was a police lineup, and they put a cardboard cutout of him and put him in a police lineup, and he couldn't identify himself. 
He's like, I don't know. I don't see the guy that looks like me. When we read the word of God and it shows us things about ourselves, and we refuse to see it, it's as silly as that. We read it, we hear it, we even listen to it. But we walk away without even a notion as to how it should affect our life. We walk away with how it revealed us to ourselves. And that's what the Word of God does. And this lack of responding to the Word, this, this lack of, of either reading the Word or hearing the Word or having the Spirit speak to us and reveal stuff to us, it, it's, it's kind of like, you remember when, and I'm going to flip back to it, you remember back in the... Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he's teaching all these amazing things. Fantastic, wonderful things that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. When he gets down to verse 24 of chapter 7, he, he says this, and we've made a little song about it, okay? We've created a little song about it, all right? Uh, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know the song. And now it's going through your head, right? I love that little song. So, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, pounded the house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't, doesn't act on them be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. See, Jesus taught what James is telling us. Taught the same thing. Taught it in a different way. James used the mirror and the man. Jesus used building a house on rock or sand. But basically it was the same message When you hear the words of God, when you hear the words of life, when you hear from the the Spirit of God speaking to you, showing you something, revealing something, helping you to see something that you need to see about yourself and your life, if you embrace that and act on it and and apply it to your life and, and live it, you are building a foundation that's solid. Your, your, your foundation's on rock. But when you just read it and you say, oh, that's nice. Those are really nice words. I hope so-and-so does that. Jesus says it's like building sand. That's not really the only place that Jesus said such things. Um, John 15, uh, 12 through 14 says, This is my command, this is Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Amen. And then, uh, you know, back, let's see, back a page in John 14. 
Um, John 14, 23. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then clear back in John, uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is how we know that we uh, know him. If we keep his commands, the one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Boy, that, that's one of those scriptures, isn't it? That's an ouchy scripture, isn't it? Because none of us like to be called a liar, right? That is just, that's an insult. It is. It's an insult. If somebody calls you a liar, you're insulted, right? I am. But this is the truth. This is the truth of God's word. And he says that if we say that we are a, a follower of Jesus, we say that we, we're, we know Jesus and we're walking with Jesus, but we don't keep his commands, we're just lying. Worst thing that we're doing is we're lying to ourselves. That's the worst. We're lying to ourselves. So please hear me on this. Uh, don't just be willing to obey the word of God. Obey the word of God. Don't be just well, willing to share the gospel. Share the gospel. <laughs> don't be just willing to live in purity. Live in purity. Don't be just willing to uh, help the poor. Help the poor. <laughs> you, see, you see what... A, you're, you're taking the word of God and what it says, and you're just, you're doing it. And that's what we should be doing, right? We're, we're, we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And, and the, the words are deceiving ourselves, right? Well, I'm going to finish up with this one. Lastly, we should be in the word constantly. We should be in the word constantly. Uh, verse 25 has a few words in it that I think are very important. Uh, verse 25, uh, there are uh, three words. Two of them go together and one stands by itself. But the two that goes together is look intently, look intently. And the one that kind of stands by itself is persevere. And the idea of looking intently is like what, I, uh, like what I'm trying to do when I'm, when I'm reading my Bible without my, my readers on. I'm like... You know, no, that's a bad example. Uh, that, that's, that's a bad example. Uh, have you ever played that game where you have two pictures and you're trying to find the differences? Those are fun, aren't they? I always like those. But, but when you're playing that, you're looking at those two pictures, man, you're really digging in, right? You're digging in. You're like, you're looking at those and you're like, oh, that's there. Oh, it's there too. Oh, there it is. No. No, that's there too. You know, and you're really looking at the pictures. You're looking intently at the pictures. You're really digging into them. And I want to tell you, that is how we need to dig into the Word of God. We need to look intently into the Word. We need to, to, um, to uh, amid the busyness of our lives, I know we're busy. I know we're busy. Amid the busyness of our lives, we need to stop and spend time looking at the scriptures intently. Read it. Study it. Uh, don't be content with a, a little word from God each day. Dig deep. Dig, dive in deep. Really dig into it. Uh, absorb, 
Absorb the word into your life. Absorb it into your life. It kind of reminds me of a, a scripture in the Old Testament. It's in Deuteronomy. And, uh, and I didn't mark it, but let's, let's just take a look at it real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, 4 through 9. This was, this was the way that God instructed the Israelites to think about the word of God, his words. Okay? He said in, in 4 through 9, it says, um, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. That seems to me like you're taking the word of God in every part of your life, right? Like everywhere you go, you're taking the word of God. You're, you're just like absorbing it into your life. You're reading it continually. You're thinking about what it means. You're applying what you're reading. This is the kind of thing that we need to be doing with the word of God. So let the word of God take up lodging in your mind. Commit it to memory. Commit it to memory. Persevere in it. Stay in it with your living. Apply it to your life. Work it out in your life. Figure out how to live it as you're living life. Begin to, to live the words of God. Uh, and, and it may be a slow process, but take one step at a time applying it to how you're living life. You say, well, you know, that's a, it's daunting to read the word of God and apply everything that I read. Well, Apply one thing. <laughs> and then the next day, apply one thing. You know? Because it, it can be daunting. It can be like, oh, I can't do all of that. But do something. Take the word of God and apply it to your life and live it in your life. Get a partner to read it with you. Get somebody that will read the same scripture. This, folks, you wanna, do you understand what I'm describing here? I'm describing discipleship. That's what I'm describing. Get a partner and read the word of God together. And when you've read a portion of scripture, then come together and talk about what it meant for you. Talk about how it, it, um, it's, it's, it pierced you. Talk about what it meant for this portion of your life and how you're going to take that portion of your life and you're going to live differently because of what you read in the word of God. Folks, this is discipleship on the most basic level. And it's, and, it's, and it's fantastic. It's life-giving. And it's wonderful. Pray with each other. When you get that partner, pray with each other. Keep each other accountable to looking at the word intently and persevering in it together and applying it together. And be doers of the word, not just hearers deceiving yourself. Amen. Let me leave you with a challenge and a prayer, okay? Read Matthew 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. 
Read the Sermon on the Mount this week. Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Read those chapters. Just, just three chapters there, 5, 6, 7. Read those chapters this week and, and find one thing. I'm not asking you to apply the whole thing. To apply the whole Sermon on the Mount is like, that's a lifelong endeavor. <laughs> but, but read the Sermon on the Mount. Find one thing that God's telling you, this is something you should be doing. And take that one thing and say, you know what? God, I'm listening. My heart is red, it's open and it's ready. Go ahead and write on it so that I'll listen to you and, and I'll be a doer of what I've read. Do that one thing with Matthew 5 through 7. And you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. It'll be great. It's life-giving. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for... Um, Thank you for these words from James. Lord, these, these words this morning have stung a little bit. They've certainly been piercing. But we thank you, God, that your word doesn't leave us where we're at. Your word takes us on a journey, and that journey brings us closer to you. And we thank you, Lord, for that journey. Help us, Lord, every single one of us here in this place and, and, and those online that are listening Help us all to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Lord, if there is something in our lives that we have read in your word that you have wanted us to get and we've resisted it, Lord, may we read that fresh and new again with ears ready to listen, with a heart that is tender and open for you to write. It be, it be your canvas for us. And Lord, help us to then have the strength in your spirit to press on and be a doer. Apply it to our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us, that we may become better followers of Jesus.